Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. This week, the buzz is back in part four of my Texas Chainsaw series review, which highlights Kim Henkel's return to the series with Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. While Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 was an uneven return to the series' horror roots, The Next Generation feels more like Henkel's attempt at a direct sequel to the original film. Though once more we see a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film that strays from its horror roots in favor of a more satirical self-reflection on the series' evolution. First and foremost, The Next Generation is notable as it marks the return of OG Texas slasher Don, Kim Henkel. Henkel, of course, being the original co-screenplay and story writer of Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Having such a prominent figure the original film return, after what I'd consider two uneven sequels, had me more optimistic than I'd usually be for the fourth film in a series. The Next Generation is constructed as Henkel's vision of a direct sequel to the original film, picking up several years later with a new cast of teens who ditch their high school prom to go on a joyride, though become lost in the Texas backroads. After wrecking their car in a freak accident, they become stranded and stumble upon the home belonging to Leatherface and his rogues gallery family. It's a familiar premise that is executed on in a far more satirical manner, feeling much more like a tonal blend of the humor of Texas Chainsaw 2 and the horror emphasis of Texas Chainsaw 3. After all, this is a film about a family of cannibals. Or are they? Despite the framework of the film being similar to previous films in the series, Several small details support the idea that Hankel never intended this to be a gritty horror follow-up to the original. For starters, our antagonists are no longer referred to as the Sawyers, Leatherface's old family name. Rather, their last name is quite literally now Slaughter. Not very subtle, but overtly taking the piss out of the whole concept of the family being cannibal killers works for how on-the-nose the film's humor is. There's also the realization that they're no longer cannibals, which was the Sawyer's entire identity in previous films. We learn this when Darla, played by Tony Perensky, a drifter who's fallen in love with the patriarch of the Slaughter family, brings home pizza for dinner. This complements the film's self-aware nature, recognizing the passage of time between the original 1974 film to the current 1995 release. Much like other slashers of the era, The Next Generation stars two future A-listers who, at the time of its 1995 release, were relatively unknowns. That being Matthew McConaughey and L. Zellweger. McConaughey stars as the titular villain, Vilmer, the new patriarch of the Slaughter family. Ironically enough, he was originally cast to star as a Romeo-type character to Zellweger's Juliet role. He was quickly recast as the villain when execs saw him climb out of his truck and the chaotic energy he brought to his audition and he brings that same unpredictable rage to the final film and is a highlight of the entire thing. The disturbing mood shifts between manic and southern charm shifts within seconds, making McConaughey the embodiment of mad. His character's prominence throughout the film largely results in Leatherface feeling like an afterthought in the next generation. Sure, we get instances of him accosting teens and even chases Zellweger through the woods brandishing his saw, but for the most part, Vilmer and the rest of his makeshift family take center stage which really didn't bother me as much as I thought it would, given how strong McConaughey's performance is. From his remote-controlled leg brace, which is a modern evolution of Leatherface's leg brace from Texas Chainsaw 3, to his maniacal rage, Vilmer is one of the most despicable and insane Texas Chainsaw antagonists yet. Meanwhile, Renee Zellweger gives an equally important, albeit opposite end of McConaughey's spectrum, performance as Ginny. Portrayed as the nerd teen survivor, Ginny immediately distinguishes herself from the group as the smartest. Her character plays against type, not just another dim-witted moron stumbling into danger, 
speaks to Henkel crafting the next generation as a true satire. Ginny's the only one who challenges the teen jock Barry's quote-unquote intellect. As early on, he defends his cheating on his date because he claims a lack of sex can cause prostate cancer. Ginny matter-of-factly dismisses this and exposes his facade of presenting false facts to persuade his date Heather into forgiving him. This early scene is important in establishing Ginny playing against type, but also that Henkel is very much in on the joke of the character dynamic. Henkel has even stated that with Ginny, he wanted to make the film have a feminist angle in mind. Not only is Ginny the smartest character in the film, but her abusive past gives her the strength to overcome the Slaughter family's preying upon her. Now, I watched the theatrical cut, but in the director's cut, which deletes a solid seven minutes of content, it includes an intro to Ginny's character that shows she is a survivor of abuse from a predatory stepfather. Cutting this scene really does a disservice to the theatrical version, as it removes a key staple of Ginny's character and serves to legitimize her strength as a character. I highlight her performance in McConaughey's because they are largely what make the film watchable, as I found Hankel's overall execution on this satire take to be uneven to say the least. The next generation feels conflicted in how far to go with its blending of satire and horror, as Hanko returns to the well for a lot of nods to the original film, while never expanding on the series in a significantly meaningful way. For every humorous scene such as when Leatherface's brother W.E., who has a propensity for quoting philosophers, has an intellect face-off with the dim-witted Barry, there's a solid chunk of time dedicated to Leatherface screaming and thrashing around nonsensically. Hanko was cognizant of his portraying Leatherface as more of a petulant child, coming to a head when Ginny shouts at him to sit down and to shut up at one point, a demand which, which he complies with without hesitation. I'm just torn on the unevenness of the tone and the gags that Hankel tries to cram into the brisk hour and 27 minute runtime. Something that I'm also torn on is Hankel returning to the well, as it were, for several iconic moments of the original film. There's recreating Sally's window jump with Ginny jumping from the slaughter second story window, as well as a more comedic-centric take on the dinner table scene. And we even get a Leatherface chainsaw dance, albeit a brief one. I have no issue whatsoever with Hankel nodding to the original film. I mean, let's be honest, he's earned that right. But it does come across as kind of cheap and honestly somewhat lazy when there isn't much originality applied to these moments or originality in a manner that makes them as memorable as the moments found within the original. There is also the last-minute plot addition that the Slaughter family are being influenced into doing these acts of violence at the behest of a secret society. All-powerful beings, much like the Illuminati, who want the Slaughters to teach their victims the meaning of fear. To really sell the point home, the secret society leader exposes his stomach to Ginny, which is heavily scarred and has massive hoop piercings, before licking the sides of her face. It's a weird and wild left turn and feeds into the film's overall on-the-nose nature. Though, much like the humor in the film, it just didn't do much for me, given how aggressively ridiculous it really is. And this is honestly my largest gripe with the film, in that outside of McConaughey and Zellweger's performances, there aren't really any notable moments of the film. While Hankel crafts his own brand of domestic psychotic energy, Vilmer and his family constantly fighting and arguing with one another quickly just becomes incoherent screaming. Leatherface taking a backseat is also not the best, and despite introducing the cross-dressing angle to his character, it's never explored with any depth or real meaning. The film is also straight up not scary, not that it necessarily sets out to be, so the amount of time framing it as a traditional slasher feels somewhat wasted. And as rocky as I found the film to be overall, even rockier was its initial release. The film originally released under the title The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1995, but was shelved shortly after its initial run. Though in just two years later, McConaughey and Zellweger would explode in fame, 
and Columbia Pictures decided to re-release the film with a re-edit, a new title, and highlighting the two actors' fame in their advertising of the film. Clearly, the plan was to capitalize on the release of Zellweger's film Jerry Maguire and McConaughey's A Time to Kill. Unsurprisingly, both actors' lawyers persuaded the studio not to do this as they felt their clients were being exploited and if the studio did not follow through, their clients would never appear in another one of their movies. This issue was even raised again in 2018 when horror restoration company Scream Factory announced a collector's edition release, but had to delay it as the case's artwork featured Zellweger and McConaughey, which had to be altered. In two recent interviews, I've heard Zellweger and McConaughey briefly discuss their time on the movie, and neither one of them expresses the disdain that their lawyers clearly at the time held for the film. To me, it seems like another case of the horror genre not receiving the respect that other more traditional genres do. And even if I'm not a big fan of the film and it seems the majority of people weren't overall, their performances I think are really quite strong, serving as a display of not only their versatility as actors, but the ability to leave a lasting impression in even the weirdest and wildest of films. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Next Generation returns to the more satirical and comedic nature of the second film, but it has a grimier presentation and more of a manic energy to it. It's gross, it's nasty, and at some points it's honestly not very good. But it does feature two of the best performances so far in the entire series, which really can't be overlooked. And now for some last minute research. In a last nod to its overall satirical nature, not a single character dies by a chainsaw in the entire film, which certainly puts a sputter in the idea that the buzz is back. The final hospital scene of the film actually features three Texas Chainsaw Massacre alums, such as John Dugan, who played the grandfather, Paul A. Partain, who played Franklin, and Marilyn Burns, who played Sally. This is a brief scene, and they don't have big speaking roles, but it's just kind of a nice nod to not only the series past, but Hankel's past as well. And apparently, Jim Seidel was asked to reprise his role as the cook, as well as Bill Johnson, who played Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, but he could not. It's cool to see kind of the history of different characters and whatnot show up again and just their involvement or lack of involvement with the film just to show kind of the continuity that kind of ties the original film into the next generation as Hankel really did construct this as the idea of being the direct sequel to the original. Next week, I tackle part five of my Texas Chainsaw Massacre series review with Marcus Nispel's 2003 remake of the original film. This is one of the few Texas Chainsaw films I'd previously watched and really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to revisiting it with a fresh pair of eyes. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. See you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.